are welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor T.B. Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. We will be dealing with the subject New Testament prayers. And I know that it will be a great blessing to you. You know, prayer is not strange to man. As a matter of fact, prayer is not strange to anything that looks like religion. In every religion, uh, people are trying to are attempting to practice a faith. There is an exercise in form of prayer. But we must understand that we are not everybody. Hallelujah. We are people of God. We are new creations or creatures in Christ Jesus. We are twice born men. Hallelujah. We are born of God. It means that we have been brought into a covenant because of what Jesus did on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection changed the game forever. You see, that death, death, and resurrection of Jesus was a game changer. Amen. And you cannot overlook that sacrifice in anything that you're doing with God. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, every relationship with God is based on that and that alone. That's why Jesus had the audacity in John chapter 14, verse 6, where he said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. You understand that? He didn't say, he said, I am the way. The way. The way. Definite. Then he said, I am the truth. And I am the life. So he called himself the way. He called himself the truth. He called himself the life. So if man was searching for a way, he was saying, you have found it. Amen. And so you, you, you as a child of God, you ought to understand that if you are born again, you have found the way. Amen. The Bible refers to Christianity as the way. It's not one of the ways. It is the way. Hallelujah. Alright. And then when you have embraced Christ, you have also embraced the truth. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? You know, at that point, because there's a desire and a, and a hunger in the heart of man uh, for truth. So Jesus had announced to us that because we have found him, we don't need to look for truth anymore. We have found the truth. Amen. Then he said, he is also the life. Um, many years back, you know, the ancients, they believed that there was a substance or something they could drink or something they could partake of that would make them live forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, it was called an elixir. They believed that there's a substance that um, can solve all of life's problems. You know, when you get it, um, it will heal your problems, to heal so, so, so. Like sometimes you see all these guys on the road that will bring up one bottle and they will tell you this thing will heal Goronia, this thing will heal HIV, this thing. You know, and people actually believe it. The reason why they believe it is that deep down within the heart of every man, man believes that there is an elixir, there is a substance somewhere. He might not know where it is, but he knows that there is something that solves all of life's problems. And Jesus said, I am the life. Amen. Are you listening to me? So, Jesus said, I am the life. That thing that you are looking for within you. You see, in the heart of every man is a vacuum for God. The Bible says that God has set eternity in a man's heart. That's why no matter how much a man has, how, much, how many cars he has, how many wives he has, how many, uh, pro, uh, much property he has, and so on and so forth, there will still not be a satisfaction without a relationship with God. Amen. And that's why Ecclesiastes says something powerful. He said, look, the conclusion of the matter is to fear God and keep His commandment. Meaning that, look, the essence of everything is this thing we have with God. Amen. Alright? So that understanding has to be there. Now, we are not ordinary people. The Bible says we are a chosen generation. You know, Arendt will put it this way. It says we are a chosen race. It means that we are a new breed that never existed before. Amen. We are not, we are not Jews. We are not this, we are not that, we are the church. Amen. It's a race of people that have the life of God at work within them. Amen. Are we together? So it means that when we understand that we are special people, we will now appreciate that we have a relationship that is special. Hallelujah. 
It's not like the relationship that any other person had had. We give God praise for all the Bible characters we read about. And the Elijahs, and the Elishas, and the Moses, and, and, and all the Bible characters we read about. But you see, the relationship we have with God is different from the relationship that those fellows had with God. Amen. As a matter of fact, they desired this kind of relationship. David cried out in a certain place. He said, ah. He said, look, look, blessed is the man whose sins and iniquities, hallelujah. See, God does not count his iniquities and his sins. He was talking about the new creation. Amen. Are you with me? So David desired to be where you are today. Glory to God. Am I communicating? Now, I just try to lay this background because I want to explain to you why prayer today is different from prayer every other day. Amen. Why prayer when I say today, I'm not talking about today as in these days. I'm talking about in the era that we're in, the dispensation we're in after the dead, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Prayer is a different ballgame altogether. And the Bible teaches that there's a big difference between prayer in the old covenant and prayer in the new covenant. Amen. Amen. Are we together? So, most of the time, believers mix these things up. Alright? And they get confused because a believer, sometimes you see someone that is born again, tongue-talking, spirit-filled, you know, wants to pray the prayer of Jabesh. Amen? Thank God there are things you can learn from the prayer of Jabesh. There are powerful things you can learn. He said, oh God, that that will bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, that evil also will flee from me and so on and so forth. He prayed that prayer, but we must understand that your case is better than the case of Jabesh. Amen? Are you understanding me? Jabesh was born in sorrow. You were born in joy. Amen? Are you listening to me? So when you understand the demarcation between the time of Jabez and your time, you begin to appreciate that this is a privileged position to be in. Glory to God. So when we start talking about New Testament prayers, there is a lot to learn about prayer. From all, you know, if you read from Genesis to Revelation throughout the Bible, is littered with information about prayer. Hallelujah. Information about prayer and perhaps even the prayer of several men in scripture. The prayer of Jonah was written out in scripture. The prayer of um, um, Hezekiah, the king, was written out in scripture. The prayer of Jesus, uh, certain points were, were expressed in, in scripture. The prayers of Abraham were expressed in scripture. There are several men that prayed in scripture, alright? And there's something we can learn from the prayers of those men. I like to read the scripture as my opening scripture. Let's look at Romans chapter 15. Glory to God. And um, we'll kick off from there. Hallelujah. Um, that would be the best way to start. Verse 4. And I'll show you something. In Romans 15, 4, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, alright, were written for our learning. Listen. Alright, so the prayer of Jabez, the prayer of Jonah, they were written for what? Our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Glory to God. Alright, so that means that anytime you embrace the scriptures, alright, something happens to you. You see, there is a comfort that the scripture brings. Glory to God. There's a comfort that comes from the scripture. There's a consolation. Another word for comfort is consolation. There's a consolation that the scripture brings. And the reason the scripture brings that consolation is that there is a spirit, hallelujah, upon the words that were spoken in that scripture. So anytime you embrace the scriptures, that spirit of comfort comes to walk in your home and walk in your life. Glory to God. Alright, so the Bible says these things that were written, all the things that were written, all the prayers of the men that were written, they were written aforetime for our learning. So that means there's something we can learn from every prayer. But it's important for you to know that learning from a prayer does not mean you should pray the exact prayer. Amen. Are you listening to me? Now, everything the Bible teaches, in the New Testament, we must read the Bible and Act on the word of God in the light of our redemption in Christ. I'll say that again. We must read the Bible also and act on the word of God in the light of what? Our redemption in Christ. What do I mean? What I mean is that anytime you open the scriptures and you're reading the Bible, see it through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's give an example. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, popular verse of scripture, all of you might have known that scripture. It says that this book of the law, this was God's principle he gave to Joshua. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, alright? But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success, paraphrasing. Now, the point about that scripture is that he told Joshua 
that the book of the law, which book was he talking about? The writings of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He said, look, this book shall not depart out of thy mouth. That means that you will keep speaking forth the words, hallelujah, that, the, that you read from the book. It will keep coming out of your mouth. Then, you see, when you pay, meditate and pay attention to these scriptures, what will happen to you? It says you will observe to do it. And when you do it, when you act on it, what will happen to you? You will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, today that we live in, understand something powerful here. We are not meditating on the book of the law. No. Even when we open the book of the law, our meditation is on the finished works of Christ. Hallelujah. That we see in the book of the law. Are you, are you getting the picture? So when you are reading through the book of the law, for example, you get to the book of Numbers, you will get to the place where Moses took a brazen serpent, alright, and put it on a pole. And he told all the people that were beaten by snakes. He said, as long as you set your eyes on this brazen serpent, you will be healed. Alright? Now, a Jewish man will be meditating on that. But for you, that brazen serpent and the people being beaten by serpents is a picture of Jesus on the cross. Amen. Are you listening to me? It's a picture of Jesus on the cross. When you marry it with John 3.14, you see, it says, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Then you begin to understand that every time you open the Old Testament and open the law, you are looking for Christ in it. Amen. Are you listening to me? Alright, so we must read the scriptures. And we must act on the scriptures in the light of redemption. Amen. Get that picture clear because we will soon run now. We will read the scriptures and act on the scriptures in the light of our redemption in Christ. That's the only way. Praise God. There's no other way. That's the only way. So when we talk about New Testament prayers. Now, in your Bible, in the Bible there are 66 books in the Bible. 39 of them are in the Old Testament, 27 are in the section referred to as the New Testament section. Alright? Now there's something we have to understand about what New Testament is. You know, the scripture said that a testament is not in force until there is the death of the testator. If somebody writes a will, if a father writes a will, the will is not in effect until the father is dead. Are you understanding me? It's when the father has died that the will can be enforced. Am I communicating? So the father can say, okay, in this will, this side of the house belongs to the first son. That portion of the house belongs to the second son. He has signed it. But it does not take effect until the man dies. Now, that is the normal thing that happens. Jesus had to die for that will of the Father, hallelujah, to be enforced. Amen? And because Jesus had died, now we are partakers of that will. That will is called the new will. It's the new testament. Amen? Alright, understand that picture now. So, we are partakers of a new testament. And in the new testament, the rules have changed. Amen? Are you listening to me? The rules have changed. Because the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, I'm using the words Covenant and Testament interchangeably. Old Covenant or Testament is for servants. New Testament is for sons. Amen. Get that picture clear. So, in the Old Covenant, the relationship, when they came to pray, they never prayed to God as Father. But here in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, when we pray, we pray to Him as what? Father. And Jesus came to establish the fact that, look, a time will come when you will no more ask me, but you will ask the Father. And you will ask the Father in my name. And whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Why? Because in this new covenant, you have a relationship with him as Father. Amen. Are we together? Now, understand that. So, in the new, in, when we talk about New Testament prayer, the first thing to catch, I mentioned it last week or so, is that it's a prayer to the Father. Hallelujah. The prayer is always addressed to the Father. The Bible says that we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry what? Abba, Father. That means that now there is a longing from our spirits for and a yearning for the Father. Hallelujah. So there's a cry from our hearts toward the Father. That should be understood. So in the new covenant... We are praying not to a God far away. There's a song I heard one time. There is a God somewhere. No, it's not somewhere. You understand that? It's not somewhere. See, in the Old Testament, they lifted up their eyes to the hills. From whence cometh the help? Today, the help is inside us. Amen. 
That's the new covenant. Are you getting the picture now? So our prayer is to who? The Father. Different from the old covenant. Now, if I don't say all of this, I will not even be able to kick off what I want to teach. So that's very important. The next thing is that we are given a name. That name of Jesus. By which we can make demands. Hallelujah. That name. When Abraham prayed, he didn't pray in that name. When Moses prayed, he didn't pray in that name. Um, all the mighty guys that prayed, Elijah prayed. Elijah was a great um, a figure uh, uh, as it concerns the subject of prayer. He didn't pray in that name. But yet he had results. That means that God is saying that in the new covenant we will have greater results. Amen. Because we have a name that they did not have. Amen. And there is an authority that we have that they did not have. Are you getting the picture? So when we start talking about New Testament prayers, we must understand that it's going to revolutionize our prayer life. It's going to affect us in such a way that we will begin to make things happen. I begin to make changes around our environment. Why? Because we now know how to pray. Amen. Tap your I now know how to pray. After this teaching, my prayer life is moving to the next level. Glory to God. Can we continue? Alright, now, I got here because I want to say something. We thank God for the prayers of all the patriarchs of old. The prayers of Abraham, Isaac, and the rest of them, or that maybe they mentioned that they prayed at one point or the other. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, we must understand that what makes a testament new, I mentioned something about a new testament, a testament is not enforced until the death of the testator. Alright? So Jesus had died. So that testament is now enforced. Amen. Now, it was the death of Jesus that started the New Testament. Amen. That means that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was a transitional period. Amen. Are we together? Now, what it meant is that this government is giving way for another government. But in between, there's, some, there's a gap in between to help for the change. Are you with me? Now, the old covenant was coming to a close and a new one was coming. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the transition period between the old covenant and the new. Am I communicating? Now, that's why, listen to what I'm going to say now. That's why you cannot open Matthew and word for word pray what was prayed in Matthew. Let me tell you why. Because when Jesus was talking in Matthew, he was not talking to new creations. Amen. Did you hear me? He was not talking to the church. He was talking to Jewish people. Amen. Hello. He was not talking to the church. He was not talking to... Nobody was born again. When Jesus was walking the face of the earth, nobody was born again yet. Until Jesus died. I hope you know that. Alright? So, all the teachings of Jesus, there are powerful teachings, awesome teachings, great things we can learn from them. But we have to understand, it was not addressed to the new creation. Amen. Amen. Alright. Have you understood that? So, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, there were limitations in what he could teach them. At a point, Jesus made a statement. He said, there are many things I want to say to you, but I cannot say them now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you all things. Amen. Are you with me? Meaning that if he says these things, you can't still enter them. So, let's wait. And I said, I will go. It is expedient for me that I go. When I go, alright, the Spirit, uh, uh, the Comforter will come. And when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. Amen. So Jesus was trying to say that there are, there are other things I would love to say, but it's not time. Am I communicating? Alright. Now, I said it because of this. Sometimes people say, this is the prayer, so so person prayed. So, we're supposed to pray that prayer. And then, they're confused about what prayer is New Testament. And what prayer is not New Testament. Now, don't misunderstand. Before I go far, let me establish this. No matter what prayer you see in the Old Testament, there's something you can learn from it. Are you understanding me? For example, Jonah, one of the prayers of Jonah, Jonah made a statement. He said, they that observe lying vanities shall forsake their own mercy. Are you understanding me? So that means in this prayer, you can learn something. 
that if you look away from the word of God, your eyes are on things that will not last. Your eyes are on things that don't count. Your, you call them lying vanities. The circumstances around you. If your eyes are on it, you will forsake your mercy. Amen. It's not something to learn. Now, but we must understand that the authority we have because of Christ is a greater authority. Amen. The access we have to the Father. Nobody had that access before Jesus died. In Hebrews 4, verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Alright? We should come boldly. They were not coming boldly before. But now, because of what Jesus did, you and I can come how? Boldly. Tap your neighbor say boldly. Yeah, you can come boldly. So, you are not feeling like if I call on the Father, He will not answer me. No, there's no reason why He won't answer you. Amen? Listen to me. I said there's no reason. Listen, let me say this again. There's no scripture of the Bible. Hear me and hear me well. That suggests that there's something the new creation can do that will make God not hear His prayer. There's no scripture. It's only in the old covenant you will hear where the scripture will say that his hand is not shortened, neither is his ear heavy, but your iniquities and sins have driven you far from him. That's the Old Testament. Amen? It's only in the Old Testament where we say that God delights in the prayer of the righteous. Alright? Now, it's true. That means that the prayer of the wicked man he will not hear. Now, in the new covenant, you are the righteous he was talking about. Amen? Because he made you the righteous. So, in the, if you read the New Testament, there is no scripture in the New Testament that suggests that God will not hear what the believer is praying about. Okay, so what, 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 what about sin? The scripture suggests that, for example, you know the scripture in 1 John, chapter 1, verse 7, 7 into 9. It's here it's talking about walking in the light and all that and all that. And verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, uh, forget about the debate of whether it was to the believer. This is to the believer. Amen. Amen. If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us. And con- Now listen. Oh. It means that if a believer does wrong, it's still God he goes back to. Are you understanding me? The Bible says, didn't say that when you sin, or if you sin, then God will not talk to you again until you repent of your sin. There's no scripture like that. Amen. There's no scripture like that in the New Testament. Because even when things go wrong with you, it's still God that will help you. Amen? So whether a believer sinned or did not sin, God hears his prayer. If you didn't hear anything in this tape, hear this one. Amen? Whether a believer sinned or not, God hears his prayers. Your prayers are not heard because of the good thing you did. Your prayers are not unanswered because of the bad things you did. No. The reason why your prayers are answered is because Jesus had made a way for your prayers to be answered forever. Amen. Are you with me? Now, why does God answer your prayers? He answers your prayers because Jesus... Go back to Hebrews 4. Let's read from verse 14, alright? Hebrews 4. Amen. So he said, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, he's referring to Jesus, that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Next verse, 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That means that Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Amen. You know, what you are feeling, He's also feeling it. Oh, that's new for some of you. What you are feeling, Jesus is feeling it. Amen. Uh, you didn't hear me? I said again, what you are feeling, Jesus is feeling it. Amen. So, he said, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin. Okay? Next verse. Let us therefore, okay, um, um, the verse I'm looking for, go back to 14, I want, I want to connect two scriptures. Good. I'm going to connect 14 to 16, so you see it. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that is what? Passed into the heavens. This passing into the heavens is for us. Hallelujah. He went into the heavens on our behalf. 
So that we also can what? Come. So it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passing to the heavens, go to verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly. Amen. Did you see that? Let us therefore come boldly. So our boldness is not based on what we have done. Our boldness is that Jesus has gone ahead of us. Amen. And he has made a way for us. So the reason why God hears your prayer is because of what Jesus did for you. You didn't hear me. I said the reason why God answers your prayer is because of what Jesus does for you. Not because of what you did for God. Some will say, oh, I know God will answer my prayer because this week I served. I did a lot of things for God. That's not why God answers your prayer. God answers your prayer because of what Jesus has done for you. Amen. And anytime you come in that name of Jesus, He, God cannot reject you. Amen. He cannot reject that name. That name. He cannot resist that name. Amen. Understand that? Some of you, this has already healed your prayer life. Amen. 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 See, it's that thing that makes a believer say, Oh, I would have, today would have been the day I prayed for my exam, for me to pass my exam. But because I sinned today, I will leave the prayer until when I, when I, when I don't sin, then I will pray the prayer. No. 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 God does not answer your prayer. Get this. Because of what you did or did not do. God answers your prayer because of what Jesus had done. So, okay, so if I told a lie just now and I asked God for something, will He give me? He will give it to you. Listen, understand something about prayer. In the, in the new covenant, listen, our Access to God has been opened forever. Amen? Amen. Are you understanding me? It's not something that closes and opens and closes and opens. It is permanently open. Did you hear me? It's just like where you have a boss or somewhere where you say, oh, my doors are open to you. Meaning saying that anytime you want to come to, you know, there are some offices, um, between 9 and 12, don't knock on my door. Break time you can come. Alright? But there's someone say, my door is open. When he says my door is open, it means that even if I'm busy, come. Are you understanding me? Now, the doors of God are perpetually open to the new creation. Amen. They are permanently open. They are left open. Amen. It never is closed against So, when you want to pray, don't start checking, 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 checking. Now, why is it that if there is condemnation in your heart? You should deal with it. Let me explain what it is. Because it will aff- it doesn't affect anything on God's side. It is on your side. Amen. The reason why you are dealing with it is that if you don't deal with it, you will not have confidence in prayer. Amen. Are you understanding me? So you deal with it. But on God's side, it does not affect anything. Some of you think that God is like some of you. That has mood swings. Say the last time. The last time I saw you. I, the last time I saw you, you were in that place. Now you are coming now to come and be asking me for something. That's not God. Amen. Amen. No, that's not God. That's not God. That's not how God relates with the new creation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So tap your neighbor and say, God always hears you. Yeah, that's if you are born again. If you are not born again, then God will show you that He's a God. God can be different to the unbeliever. Amen. Amen. Are you understanding me? He's different to the unbeliever. He's different to the unbeliever. That same God that is loving to the new creation. <laughs> Just as God looks at the new creation. And never condemns him, no matter what he did. That's how God looks at the unbeliever and never accepts him, no matter what he does. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Are you understanding me? No matter what he does, he's not accepted. Amen. Understand. We've been talking about New Testament prayers, and anytime I'm coming to this place, I have. A lot of 
things I want to say at the same time, you know. But I just know that we have to take it one step at a time so that everybody can catch and flow where we're going. Now, most of you have maybe read books on prayer. You've heard things about prayer. You've maybe heard messages and all that. So, and you look through scriptures. There are different kinds of prayer the Bible talks about. You've heard about prayer of agreement, prayer of intercession, uh, uh, corporate prayers, and so on. You've heard those kind of things, you know. And so, this is a prevailing prayer, effectual prayer, all those kind of things. But let me explain something to you. And I want to help you not to be troubled about the several classifications of prayer. Alright? The important thing to know is that when you go into the presence of God, He will hear you. Amen. Amen. You know, let me say something to you. If my child walks up to me and says, Daddy, excuse me. Maybe I was on phone. Say, Daddy, excuse me. And I cut the call and say, eh? And I say, um, Daddy, what I wanted to say to you is that yesterday in my school, my teacher asked us to bring a guitar. And um, then he presents his case. Alright? Now, I want you to catch something. He said, excuse me. Then I cut the call. Somebody can sit down somewhere and be watching. Maybe someone is sitting somewhere and watching us. And be naming the principles my son is using. He said, that first thing he did is the law of approach. Law of approach. The second thing he did is the law of request. Law of request. That one does not concern my son. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? My son is not concerned about which law he's using, which principle he's using. His concern is that when I go there, as he's doing me, that's how we tell him. Amen. Are you understanding me? Now, I'm saying this to help you because some of you, when you want to pray, say, um, oh now, which prayer now am I going to use? Which prayer am I going to use now? Let's see now. We're going to use the third dimension of the prayer of faith. Even you, you're even confused about what they're saying. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Listen to me. Even if you didn't know any, what the prayer means, what the prayer means, when you reach there, what prayer did Peter know? When he was sinking, you know, he was walking on water, then he started sinking. At that time, Peter had said, hold on, hold on, hold on. This time is a prayer. The prayer I'm supposed to use this time is the prayer of deep perseverance. Why are you saying deep? He will drown. What did he just say? Lord, help! Did Jesus can now say, no, 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 that's not the prince. That's not, see, you start with our father. Then you enter, hallowed be thy name. You understand that? Before you, you understand, before you say help, how will you say help first? <laughs> Are you with me? No, Jesus just pulled him out. The moment he cried out, Jesus pulled him out. So what you must understand that, now, when you are praying, you might be applying those principles, but when I want you to understand this, whether you know the principle or you don't know the principle, God will answer your prayer. Amen. Are you understanding me? Oh, say no, 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 no. In this, this realm now, we have to enter in the realm of intercessory. Um, there's no one so mentioned to me. You know, even me, even me, a preacher, I say, which one is that one again? He says, imprecatory, precatorial prayers. I said, what is that? What is that? He says, it's a prayer of judgment. It's a prayer of judgment. You know. <laughs> I said, okay. Okay. Now, you might not know all those prayers. Are you understanding me? You might not know all the prayers. You don't have to know all the names. All you know is that when you go to the... And the way it is in your hearts. When you meet the father, is how you will tell him. My daughter does not come to me and say... Ah, no, she just come. If, if, if maybe a shoe, something soft, something is not on. And oh, she's supposed to say, oh, daddy, come pull my shoe for me. I will not say, that's not the way to approach. When you come, you understand that? You stand attention. And you say, daddy, 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 three times. Then you wait. Let me raise my head. Then you make your request. No. The way it is doing her at that time. Are you understanding me? That time she said, daddy! It's me that will run and come out. 
Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? <laughs> Let it change your prayer life. It's me that will run and come out. What's the problem? So stop allowing how say now I want to pray to you want to pray. You first went into spray perfume that you might be accepted in his presence. It's just like somebody that wants to take a picture. He say, hold on. He goes to spray. Will the, will, will the scent of the perfume come out from the picture? <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, let us therefore come out boldly. The boldly means that you, are, you have the assurance that he will hear you. You have the assurance that he will do something about it. I know, if I just get to my father, he will do something about it. Sometimes, even after he has done something about it, that he will not correct me. But he will do something about it. Amen? If, 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 if your child was just fell down, I said, shouted, you came and helped. You know, you help them first, then you know, ask what they say, okay. Then, you now say, next time. But you have helped them first. Is that not so? You've heard the prayer first. Then you say, next time. If this kind of thing happens, do like this. It will be a wicked parent that will say, the child is bitten by a snake. You now look. What's that? A snake bites? Is that why you are shouting like that? Next time when a snake bites you, alright, what you do? You try and remove the snake first. Then, is that... No, no, no. Let us therefore come what? Boldly. Tell anybody, let us come what? Boldly. To the throne of grace. That, that when we come there, we will obtain mercy. And we will find grace to help in time of need. Anytime you go to the place of prayer, you will obtain mercy. Never will you go to that place and obtain judgment. You will obtain mercy. And you find grace to help you in time of need. Let it change your prayer life. If you know that anytime you ask, you will receive. Why would you want to ask? The reason why some people don't pray is that ah, a, a friend of mine was telling me he was in a Baptist salon, and the Baba was telling him that someone stole his money. So my friend now told him, he said, pray about it. And I said, no, I don't go pray. I don't go pray. That one take too long. Take too long. It take too long. I know where I go go. <laughs> he said, instanta. The thing will come out. That means he has more confidence in that thing than he has in God. Amen. No, no. God will answer you speedily. Because first, he is touched. He has already told you that he is touched with the feeling of your infirmities. That means he understands how it is doing you. Amen. You know, some of you do as if God doesn't understand. I went to a, a bookstore one time. A woman was just there. I was just looking through the books. I was young, quite young at that time. I couldn't afford all the books that were there, but I just wish I could go with the bookstore. You know? I was just in the bookstore like that. Hey, see this book. Oh, hey, see this book. I was just looking through them. Then the woman just sitting down there. I think she was waiting for someone. And just, I don't know, it was whether she was just soliloquizing or I don't know what it was. She just said out loud, just said, Jesus is just there in heaven enjoying, leaving me, I'm just suffering. There are some of you that feel that way. I, I, I was surprised that someone could say, I said, eh? <laughs> No, the Bible says he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Amen. I said he's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. He knows that he remaining, is remaining two weeks for the landlord to show. He knows. Amen. Yeah, he knows. He knows. So when you are going to the place of prayer, understand that he understands what you are going through. It is important anyway, as a child of God, for you to know that prayer is a responsibility. Prayer is a duty. I love what um, a great man said, E.W. Kenyon. He said that the greatest duty of a husband, sorry, of a father or a mother is not the duty of providing funds in the house, 
Neither is it the duty of the mother to take care of the children, clean them up, wash clothes. He said the greatest duty of any parent is to pray. Is the true, what he called the prayer duty. Amen. Through prayer, the restraining power of God is released over the life of your children. Do you know that you can teach your children morals, say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, but without that restraining power of God in prayer, you can't tell what will happen. Amen. So we pray. We have a prayer responsibility. Prayer to the believer is like the believer's native breath. Hallelujah. It should be natural to you as breathing. Jesus made a statement in Luke chapter 18 verse 1. He said something powerful. He said men ought always, he said Jesus speak a parable to them to this end saying, men, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now I love the translation, an old translation. It says that men ought always to pray and not to cave in. That means that circumstances will come against you. Don't cave in. Pray. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Pray. He didn't say men ought sometimes to pray. He said always. So prayer is an always thing. First Thessalonians 5 also said the same thing. He said praying always. Hallelujah. Pray without ceasing actually. Pray always. Now you keep saying Jesus said men ought always to pray. That means there's always in that. First Thessalonians 5 18 says that pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6.18 says again, Praying always with all prayer and supplication. That means the prayer is an always thing in the New Testament. Amen. Amen. Sorry, verse 17, not 18 of first uh, person. Now, praying always. Not sometimes. Always. Always. Oh, I love, I love what Peter said, you know, in Acts chapter 6 verse 4, when he was addressing people, he said, look, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. That means it's not going to be a sometime thing. Continually. Continually. So, oh, we prayed yesterday, we pray today. We pray this night, we will pray in the morning, we will pray in the afternoon. Hallelujah. You know, I, I was studying some time back, and I was looking at the life of Daniel. In the book, in the book of Daniel, of course. And Daniel, the Bible says, I think it was in chapter 6 or thereabout, the Bible was talking about Daniel. It said Daniel prayed three times a day. Ah! He prayed three times a day. Meaning that, see, prayer was not something he took lightly. Everything Daniel ever achieved in his time was as a result of his prayer life. In the New Testament, when we pray, we receive what God had made available to us. Are you understanding me? Now, you know, sometimes, um, it's just like, um, we have a lot of petroleum products in this part of the country. You know, when the products come, they are all kept in a place called a depot. Are you understanding me? A depot. Then every other person goes there to fetch from the depot. Alright? Now it is through prayer we access the depot of spiritual things. Amen. Are you understanding me? When you are praying, you are going to fetch. It's available to all of us. But if you don't pray, you won't take your own. Amen. Are you listening to me? So it's through prayer we go and fetch what belongs to us. In prayer, you are taking. Amen. You are taking. Let me say something about New Testament prayer. Uh, if this is the last thing I say, it, it, it won't be a bad idea. See, in the Old Testament, thank you, Father. In the Old Testament, there is an attitude of prayer. The attitude was that God might not answer you. Okay? You are not, God might not answer you. So you will plead with him and beg him. In the New Testament, it's not so. Amen. That's why Paul was saying something. He said, everything, the promises of God are yea and amen. There's not a no. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. So, in the Old Testament, there's a way they used to pray. And see, I, I, I've studied the scriptures. And let me just say something for the records. I found out that there are some choice of words that have not helped strengthen what the New Testament means as prayer. One of those words is supplication. Amen. Now, in the, in the New Testament, in the Bible, especially the New Testament, you see the word supplication used several times. Alright? You see the word supplication used several times. In Paul's classification of prayer in 1 Timothy 2.1, he said, first of all, I, 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 I will that first of all, prayer, supplication, supplication, start with supplication, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of times be made for all men. In the scripture already in Ephesians 6, again, he used the word, uh, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And several other places where the word supplication was used. Supplication is not the best expression of the Greek word that was used there, deisis. The Greek word used deisis actually means a petition or a request. Amen. Now, there's a way we say supplication means you are asking for something. But the stronger, the other thing that supplication means is that you are begging. You understand that you are begging. It might not be given to you. The New Testament prayer is not a begging prayer. It's not a begging prayer. It's a demand. Amen. Are you getting the picture? So, that's why I said that supplication might not be the best expression of it. Alright? There are four or five Greek words that were used throughout the New Testament expressing prayer. One of them is deisis. The other one is prosuke. The other one is uh, eucharista. The other one is um, um, the one for intercession. I'll skip my mind. Then the fourth one. Now, of all of them, no one actually really means begging. Amen? Praise God. And that's why I prefer translations that when they get to that word deisis, instead of translating it as supplication, they translate it as a petition. Better translation. Amen? It means that this person that you are making a demand on, he has authority to give you this thing. Amen? And you are making a demand on what he's supposed to give to you. Amen? Not say, please, would you, if you are not offended, can you just, no vessel, no, no, no. That's not the prayer. That's not the prayer. That's not the prayer of the New Testament. Amen? No. Because we are not asking for anything that God does not want to give to us. i say that again. In the New Testament, we are not asking for what God does not want to give to us. We are taking what He has already given to us. Amen? Are you with me? That's the difference between New Testament and Old Testament. See, these things have already been provided. Okay, remember the story of the two sons and the father, known as the AKA the parable of the prodigal son. Now, in that story, the Bible tells us that the younger son walked up to his father and asked for the portion of good that belonged to him. That's petition. Amen. He was not saying, Father, don't be angry. He knew that it belonged to him. Then he made, he meant to make a demand. Are you with me? To say, that portion that belongs to me, I want it now. The father didn't say, see your big eye. You see the kind of child? No, he didn't say so. He gave it to him. You saw that there was no struggle in giving it to him. Because it was his own. Amen. He gave it to him. The son asking for it was not a crime. Amen. He gave it to him. Now, in the same way, in the new covenant, we are not going to ask God for something he doesn't want to give to us. No. When Jesus died on the cross. Amen. The Bible tells us that there's an inheritance that belongs to you and I. Amen. So, when we are praying in the name of Jesus, we are making a demand on what belongs to us. Amen. Are you with me? It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you pray. That's why in the New Covenant, it is important for you to know what God's will is. Amen. Because you are praying based on the knowledge you have of God's will. Now, there's what we call the revealed will of God. Alright? The revealed will of God. For example, the Bible teaches us that by His stripes we are healed. It's revealed. Amen? The Bible teaches us that prosperity belongs to us. It's revealed. Are you listening to me? The Bible teaches us that um, divine protection belongs to us. Now, when you are making a petition based on that, you already know what the Bible says. Amen? So, you are not asking for something you are not sure of. You are making a demand. You are sure of it. Amen. Alright. Jesus taught something powerful. You know, in, in the issue of prayer, in the New Testament, we have two modes of prayer. 
We can pray with our understanding. We can pray with the spirits. Amen. In the Old Testament, they didn't have praying with the spirits. Amen. Are you listening to me? In the New Testament, we can pray with our understanding. Pray with understanding means that the thing you want to pray about, you know. How you are going to pray, you know. Amen. And you make a verbal request in a known language to God. But when we are praying with the Spirit, it means that God is trying to say that in the New Testament, all the limitations of prayer have been lifted. Amen. You didn't hear me. See, in the Old Testament, there are limitations in prayer. But in the New Testament, we don't have any more limitation in prayer. Because the Bible says that when we get to a place where we ought to pray and we know not what to pray, the Spirit Himself comes and makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That means that in the New Testament, one big thing about prayer is that all the limitations have been lifted. That means that you can never come to a place in the New Testament where you are praying and you have limitations because the Holy Spirit has been sent to help you so that you rise above the limitations in prayer. So, you are praying in your understanding. This is not connecting. You are not, uh, this is not clicking in your heart. You switch and pray with your spirit. Amen. As you are praying in tongues, the Holy Ghost, amen, comes to help you. Because the Bible says something. Why is prayer so powerful and so important? Let me show you one scripture. If I end here, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Let's go to, um, I'll read from 26 to 27, alright? But my fact, emphasis is in 27. Likewise, Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as well. That means there's a limitation now of knowledge of what we should pray for or how we should pray. Alright? So, but when we get to that limitation, that's what tongues was given to us for. Amen. Now, that means that there are times where you come to a place in your life where you know that you need to pray, but you don't know what you should ask God for. Should I ask that God should kill the man? Or should I ask that God should take him away? I don't know. Amen. The Bible says at that point, the Spirit of God will help you. Amen. So it says, the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27. It says, And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit maketh intercession for the saints. How? According to the will of God. That means that even the Holy Spirit is praying, helping you pray according to the will. That means the will is very important in prayer. Amen. Are you with me? The will of God is important in prayer. Because even when the Spirit of God helps you to pray, He helps you to pray according to the will of God. That means that when you are praying in tongues, the Holy Ghost strengthens your spirit and gives words to your spirit. Hallelujah. The appropriate words to speak to God. Hallelujah. To speak to the Father. The Spirit of God begins to drop those words. It might be coming out like leke paruske prataya. As it's coming out, it's the Holy Ghost that's giving you the words to speak to the Father. And it he knows the mind of the Father. He knows exactly what will make the Father respond to you. Amen. And he's putting those words in your spirit. Are you getting the picture? That's why praying in tongues, it should be done every day of your life. Are you listening to me? The gift that God gave to the new creation in this new covenant is that ability to pray in other tongues. Amen. Are you listening to me? The ability to pray in other tongues. Listen, you know, the Bible says something in Ephesians 6, 18 that you re- we just mentioned. I'll go back there. It says, praying always. In essence, with all prayer. Um, Moffat's translation of this scripture says, praying always with all manner of prayer. So, so whether it's a, it's a petition prayer, whether it's an intercessory prayer, whether it's an agreement prayer, whether it's a social prayer, he says, we'll do it what? In the Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's why sometimes you see us sometimes we want to pray we want to pray, say, Father, we thank you for this um, 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 house. We thank you. We bless this house. Then we say, we start praying in tongues. Because anything that our words did not complete, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are completing it. Amen. Are you with me? You can never pray amiss praying in tongues. You didn't hear me. You can never pray amiss praying in tongues. That means that you can never pray out of order praying in tongues. Are you listening to me? That's why, see, anyone that is born again needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that he, can, he or she can pray in other tongues. What Jesus taught on prayer and how it connects to what Paul was teaching. Amen? Alright? And then I'm, I'm going to show you something. And um, make you understand how to pray. You know, sometimes here people talk about prophetic prayers. What do they mean by prophetic prayers? We're going to talk about that next week. Amen? But get this picture. Anytime you pray, 
no matter the state you are in, God will hear you. God is not hearing your prayer because of what you did or what you did not do. What you have not done for Him will not hinder Him from hearing you. What you have done against Him will not hinder Him from hearing you. He will always, always, say always, always, always hear you. Amen. Amen. Bible chapter, this chapter, verse that. He will always hear you. <laughs> Amen. He will always hear you. Always hear you. Listen, let me just end on this note. Look at the kind of heart of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Look at the heart Jesus had. Jesus went to cast out demons from a, from swine. Pigs. Pigs. Come out. The demon said, hold on. When you want to cast me, please don't cast me out of Portacot. I want to still be with him. See, eh? Jesus, Abba is not a good place to go, you know. I want to be in Portacot. Jesus said, okay, no problem. He answered the prayer of the demon. He answered his prayer. You are, you are better than a demon now. Amen. The demon said, please, I, I don't want to go far. I don't want to go far. I don't want to go far. He just said, okay, no problem. <laughs> Second one. Jesus was on the cross. Two criminals. Boko Haram and Najadeta militants. Hanging on the cross with Jesus. You know? Is it not demeaning enough for Jesus to say, then one of them now provokes you and say, <laughs> we will know we are bad guys. You will say you are son of God. Deliver yourself, let us see. You are very high now. You are doing miracle, miracle, miracle. Do miracle here, let us see. He thought Jesus on the cross would just say, Lord, with my last strength, block his mouth. <laughs> you thought that's what Jesus was going to do. The other one decided, now spoke. I said, look, we, we are here because of our crimes. This man didn't do anything. Please, remember me. Jesus answered his prayer on the cross. Under physical torment. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. A man that was on the cross for his crime. Jesus heard him. Much more you. Amen. I said much more you. Glory to God. Jesus always hears you. Whenever you pray, He hears you. Any condemnation that has ever come to your heart before now, let it drop now. Amen. And understand that no matter how... Listen, last one. Stand on your feet so I say the last one. You know it's the last one. A man, listen, a man that was sent of God... My son, my son. He said, yes, my Lord. Now will thou go for me to the land of Nineveh. My prophet Jonah, I have a word for you. Go to Nineveh. <laughs> Jonah said, okay, sir. Okay, sir. Me, go to Nineveh. I'm not going to Nineveh. Jonah took off. I said, going to another place. You know, sometimes when people do those things, I begin to wonder, what, do, do they think that God sleeps or God will enter his bedroom and then he doesn't know what's happening on the earth again. The guy was running his own way, going his own way. Then, when he was disobeying God, you know what was happening? The sea was afraid <laughs> of a man disobeying God and they were carrying the man. Are you understanding me? The wind was afraid. Everything started rebelling against the man. And then, when there was a storm, Jonah said, the, all the people that were worried, Jonah was not worried though. He was not worried at all. He knew that this was the problem, causing the problem. He knew what was causing the problem. When all of them said, hey, they are praying to their God. Pray to their God. He said, it's not your God that is the problem. It's me. I have beef with him. He sent me somewhere. I said, I'm not going. So, do you know what they said? So, what should we do with you? He said, unless you throw me inside this thing. Okay. <laughs> throw him away. God had prepared a fish to swallow him. Made it through him, the fish swallowed him. Now listen to Inside the belly of the fish, Jonah began to pray, Oh God, okay. God heard his prayer. In the belly of the fish. 
where you are now is not worse than the belly of the fish. Amen? If God had a prayer of a disobedient prophet in the belly of the fish, your case is not worse. Amen? So, God will always hear your prayer. Lift your hands everywhere. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faith2faithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the